doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dovek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Dr. Dietitian Collab. And today we are talking about a very, very hot topic. It's going to be about scale victories or the scale in general and how we love it and we hate it. Yeah, we definitely, you did, a, you did a reel the other week about, do you love the scale or do you hate the scale? Yeah, and, uh, and it was like a unanimous, I hate it. Like, yeah. it just controls your mood. Well, we love it whenever it shows us what we want to see. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I have definitely love hate with the scale. So do I. I'm also definitely one of those people, if, I, if it is not the first thing in the morning, and like, I have, I will like not drink anything. That is the only time I will get on the scale and trust in it. Otherwise I'm like, no, it's wrong. Buy at least like 10 pounds. That's what I do. In the afternoon, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Even if I, I won't even do it after I take a shower if my hair happens to be wet because yeah. that might, that weight of the water right. on my hair Which may is, literally like increase it by an ounce. And it's so stupid. I mean, realistically, we know that it's going to fluctuate. Like we're smarter than that. But yeah, it's wild that we just have this like mindset that it can really like make or break our mood i think it does it to every human yeah. i and i have i i know that there's so much controversy on how much you should weigh yourself the american obesity society actually says that you should do it every single day and we talked about that before and i just feel like i don't know you can get too obsessive and it can just really like again really almost be all-consuming yeah and P- I'll have people tell me like oh well I'll, if i weigh more one day then i won't eat as much or something mm-hmm. and it's like it's really not true. It's probably there's so many things that factor into that, you know, maybe of a one, two pound shift one day to the next. And like, it doesn't mean you should like, restrict further. No, like that, that all comes from like diet culture and weight culture. And you know, magazines for the longest time telling us we need to slim up and Ugh. slim down and whatever, but exhausting. It is exhausting. And of course, we work in weight loss. So it's not like we're here saying that no one should lose weight. I mean, it's what we do. So it's you know, it's it's definitely treading that line between what is healthy and safe and makes sense and what becomes like obsessive. And again, if it's really ruining your mood, like get away from it. It's fine. Exactly. And so today we really want to talk about the set point as well and about how that is something that um, really describes the trajectory or how you lose weight. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to have a graph that kind of shows it. I think that the expectation is you're going to step on the scale every day and see a steady drop in a perfectly proportional rate to the day before and the day after and how all that works. But it does not mm-hmm. work that way by any means. All. Not at all. And I want to talk about um, some of the abbreviations that you might see like HW, SW, CW, GW. So we're talking about the highest weight, your surgery weight. That's the day of surgery, how much you weigh, your current weight, your goal weight. And people will kind of do that as almost like a, all right, here's who I am. This is a snapshot of where I was, where I am and where I want to be. And that's sort of the lingo. So some people are like, oh, that's what that means. So hopefully that'll clear that up. CW, current weight, I didn't even start with the right one. HW, highest weight. Yeah. GW, goal weight. SW, surgery weight. Exactly. That's the wrong order, but that's what they are. Yeah. So (laughs) if you see that, that's what we're talking about here. And so the highest weight, a lot of people don't really know what it is Mm -hmm. because of that whole, I don't know, or sometimes scales, maybe some cheap, you know, Walmart scale might not go up to a certain, only only up 300 pounds or something. And so you might not really have an accurate knowledge of where you were. You might have an estimate to know like where you come. So the scale 
the objective number, it can be good to help you to have at least some kind of way of measuring your success. It's data. I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It's data. It's like, it's neutral. It's a number. Exactly. It's 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 pretty much the only proof. We obviously, we're going to have a whole thing on NSVs, non-scale victories. But today I want to talk about how the scale can be truly victorious mm-hmm. and how you have to kind of adjust your thinking to use that data to your advantage, to use it just as fuel to, to help kind of guide your decisions. Right. And it's just sort of a general guidelines for, for those sorts of things. Yeah. Sure. And that's what we need to do. And we're going to talk a lot about the set point theory. So it is a theory. It cannot be proved because it's just an impossible thing to do, but it it makes a lot of sense. And I want to make sure that we describe that to people. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what life is like before surgery mm-hmm. in terms of the scale. So before surgery, you're like probably most people and you're thinking about this for a long time. You've done an average of 22 different diets. We've had all these statistics before and you have done every single thing in your ability to restrict the amount that's going in and to also maximize the amounts of movement that you're doing. So calories in, calories out. You've tried that. It's yeah. not quite working. Eat less, move more. Ugh, I just hate that. Never, I just hate that. Yeah. It's just not going to work like that, but mm. you've tried it and you've yeah. done like all the different multitudes of way of like, okay, this seems to work with me. This doesn't. But the problem is you'll lose, you'll start to lose a little bit of weight and you're like, okay, I see it. And they're like, all right. And then it just almost instantaneously stops mm-hmm. if you don't have surgery. So why is that? So it's going to come back to the hormones and these hunger hormones are very important to talk about. And just to refresh everyone's memory here, we're going to talk about the two major players and those are ghrelin and leptin. So ghrelin is the hunger hormone. Mm-hmm. Ghrelin is what tells us we are hungry and to eat more. So when you start to lose weight or restrict what you're taking in, our basic survival mechanisms will kick in because our body thinks it's starving and we are been told for generations and hundreds of years that we need, we're in starvation mode, boom, skyrocket the ghrelin so that we go searching yeah. to get fuel into our yeah, bodies. for sure. So ghrelin is undeniably, objectively high. The serum levels, your blood count of ghrelin is higher. Also, when you start to lose weight or restrict the calories and increase the movement, you're also going to see a decrease in leptin. And that's crazy too, because leptin is your, your hormone that tells you if you're, you're satisfied, the satiety hormone. And if that is lower, it's like, I'm hungry and I can't fulfill myself. And the minute I eat moments later, I'm like, oh my God, I am hungry again. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all experienced that. I mean, I'm sure you have, I have. Yeah. It's just you, your body is, our bodies are not adapted for weight loss. Like that's truly what, it's not our primary goal. Our goal is to survive. Mm. I mean, that's what our bodies are like designed to do. If you look back through evolution and all of that, we're here to, to survive, not to be a certain weight. Exactly. And so some of us, our set points are different than others. And that again, has a lot to do with our genetics and our makeup and our microbiome and a lot of different theories. Mm. So some of you might be like, oh my goodness, I struggle, I struggle, and I and I stay at 285, plus or minus. So the set point is truly that. It's about you, you get to this point and plus or minus 5 to 10 pounds swing both directions. That's where you sort of reside. Then if you take your foot off the gas of trying to really like eat less, move more, next thing you know, it's really, really easy. All of a sudden, your set point is now 
300 pounds. Yeah. And then the whole thing. And so it's easy to increase it. And it's really hard because of the hormonal changes. It's not a lack of willpower. It mm-hmm. is the set point acting against you in these hormonal changes that make it that you are stuck there. So that is why a lot of you, I see patients over and over again that are like, you know what? I know I'm not, I just want to start off this consultation. I hear this almost every other patient will say this exact thing. I just want you to know, I just want to be very fully transparent with you. Full disclosure, I don't know if I want to do weight loss surgery. I said, okay, I totally respect that. Like, I just am here to learn more. Got it. And this is during our one-on-one portion. So then they'll explain this whole thing. Like, but then they'll like just start to beat themselves up. Like, but you know, I have done these things, but it's no excuse. I, I, I could be, I could be better. I could be better. Yeah. Could be better. And I, and I know it's me. So, you know what? I'm just going to try one more time. And then I say, listen, listen here. You know, you have tried. Yeah. You have tried. Just do it, you know? And that's, and that's sort of the thing. So before surgery, set point. Now, after surgery, let's talk about the weight loss that you see and that you experience from a nutrition lens and from your, experience. Oh yeah. I mean, so immediately post-op, first off, the first week people will panic. People will be like, oh my gosh, I've lost 15 pounds. Or some people will be like, I didn't lose anything. And like, I hear both of those all the time and they're both totally normal, valid. Sometimes it's a lot of it, it's water weight. Uh, You do also, what do you get? How much fluid do you get during surgery? I I estimate, they get three liters. Uh I tank them up and I estimate that they gain 10 pounds. So if you were to like from the, the morning of surgery and then weigh yourself the minute you got home, I would say you gain 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Right. So that's going to drop off. Like you're going to feel that like that's going to be, you're on a liquid diet. There's so, so much going on in that first week oh, that yeah. a lot of times too, if people are really panicked, that's definitely when I'll be like, stay away from the scale. Definitely. Like it doesn't matter. This is all fake right now. Yes. You might lose, you're going to lose some weight. Some of it's going to be water weight. Some of it might be true. You're starting to lose true fat weight. Fine, but give it some time. You're healing. Yes. And you still have inflammation and all yes. of that kind of stuff. Um, now, it's the men that always come to me and they're like, oh, I lost 15 pounds in the first week. And I'm like, of course you did. <laughs> it's always the men. Always. Um, and in the first month, too. That is usually who I see that come in and they're like, oh, I'm down 30 pounds in the first month. And you're like, of course you are, Bob. Like, great. Good job. And then, you know, with our women, we do tend to see it move a lot more slowly. Uh, or not a lot more slowly, but usually there's not that big, like, just immediate no. drop. And if anybody out there has ever been with a man who is, like, dieting or, you know, just doing kind of lifestyle modification, they're like, oh, yeah, I stopped having sodas every other day. And they will lose <laughs> 10 or 15 pounds. Always. Just, like, always. Um, so that's kind of the first month we start to see. We do tend to see that bigger drop, more dramatic, more drastic, like, if you looked at it on a per day, it's going to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also depends on what your starting weight was. So we do see that people who have a higher starting weight are uh. going to lose more number of pounds. Yes. And that's because really what we should be looking at is percentages. Yes. Um, so if you're looking at someone who may be starting at 400 pounds, it's going to be a lot easier for them to lose 40 pounds, which is 20 per- or 10% of their weight, versus someone who's 200 pounds to lose 10% would only be 20 pounds. So, you know, we can look at it. So if you're comparing yourself to someone, that's why those numbers can be helpful. Not that you should be comparing to somebody else, but, you know, if you're looking at somebody who's just wildly a different body type than you, you're not going to have the same results and expectations. And then from there, it does, I mean, it slows down and not the first month is just kind of a a marker. I don't think there's anything significant that happens at any certain period of time. But as we start to see it, 
it it's a curve. So it's not that perfect, beautiful straight line. If we were to plot it and take an average, it's going to be a curve that slows down Mm. over time. Yeah, very much so. So the first month is just like you said, it's so variable and Mm -hmm. it has a lot of things. And some of you might have edema or swelling and high blood pressure and you're on a diuretic and we've held that. And then now you're experiencing more swelling and weight gain and we have to readjust your meds. So Guys, there's a lot going on there, but I see it a lot lot of times. We talk about comparison and like you just said, I think that's such a great point that someone who starts off at this body composition, this height, this weight, this BMI, this distribution of their weight is very different than maybe somebody else that doesn't have that. Men, women, tall, short, you name it. That's very different. Age. Yes. I would also say like pre-postpartum, you know, you're going to have different... You're going to just have different physiologies and, you know, or we look at, like you said, body composition. So somebody who has that abdominal mm-hmm. weight, a lot of times you might notice their stomach is just going down quicker because they just have a larger, and maybe your, you know, thighs are getting smaller. I, I tend to see the most change immediately in the face. Though. Oh yeah. The face like, and the boobs. Yeah. And then there's the dreaded three-week stall. Well, there's going to happen. So you guys hear this. going to happen. You are going to stall. So that's what I want to tell everybody is that. You will, men will lose between 20 and 25 pounds the first 30 days. Women will lose about 10 to 15 pounds. That's an average. You might lose 15 pounds on day one and nothing else for the next 29 days. It will almost always happen that way. Or it's like 29 days of nothing and then you lost overnight seemingly 15 pounds. And that's because your body, now you're massively reduced calories, like you just said, massively reduced intake because you just simply cannot take it in. You're also being compliant with the diet, which is like liquids, which is like sugar-free liquids. There's nothing in that. Right. And then a little bit of protein. So you're really not getting much. And so now your body will be like, whoa. And just like when you do before surgery, all of a sudden after surgery, same thing, you'll lose it. And then you're going to get stuck because your body is almost like, okay, so you just lost 15 pounds. So you go from 285, we'll say for that Mm -hmm. example, down to 270. Now you're at 270 and your body will not lose until it sort of sees like, are we done here? Like, are we done? Because we want to be done. We want to be, we're we're trying to kick into starvation mode. Now, the difference with surgery is that afterwards, your leptin levels will actually increase and your ghrelin levels will decrease, which is the opposite of what normally happens. Mm -hmm. And that is because of the, the, the changes that are happening to your anatomy and removing certain things. So now it's like, all right. It's like, all right, body, I'm going to war against you. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. So then it's going to level out. I love that. That three week stall is going to happen. How often do we see on Facebook? People are like, oh my gosh, I'm like two weeks out. And like, I haven't lost a pound in like five days. Always. All the time. And I would get it all the time. I get that for consults all the time. Like, or just a message. Hey, I just, I, am I done? Is this it? Did I get this (laughs) surgery so that I could lose 15 pounds and that's it? It's like, no. The other thing that happens is the liver. You want to talk about like yes. that liver, we shrink it and then, yes. you know, that's the other great point to, to its normal size. So I think that's why highest weight is really critically important in your overall journey. So let's say your highest weight was five years ago and then you have been doing these things and you've kind of reset your set point down, we'll say 30 pounds and you've been lingering there, but you're still, you know. 280. Well, just keep using that. But, you know, but you were over 300, but you've been able to kind of go there. You need to claim credit 
from 300 down to whatever you were. That's like super important. And so let's say your highest weight was long ago, or a lot of times what we're going to see, the diet that we do at our program, and as always, whatever your program and your dietitian and your surgeons and your team tell you, that's what you need to follow. Yeah. So our program though, at Body by Bariatrics, we say three weeks still eating regular food, but you're going to be on that starch-free diet. And so then when you start to minimize the total net carbs, and for some of you, it does depend on what you're also, we talk about body composition on these differences, but also what were you doing before right. surgery? What, were you, what have you been eating for it, the long term? Exactly. And some of these patients and some people in general will be like, you know, I was a soda person and I went through horrific withdrawals yep. um, of the sugar and just like, ah, the carbonation and all that. But oh my God, I dropped so much just yeah. by doing that that change that we talk about. So we really, the people who are compliant, and I really feel like, I don't know, like our patients are very compliant. Yeah. I think they're incredibly compliant. Yeah. One of my friends, total tangent, like last night was over and was like, oh, do most people like cheat? And I said, no, no. they don't play. You guys don't play around. And mm. it's like, here it is. This is what you, like. And and I also, neither you or I are of the of the mindset that we need to um, punish or like do this or like, no. I don't even really make patients lose weight beforehand. No. And I, mean, I feel it's like been they do. Shown, it's been shown that it doesn't. I mean, like, it's punitive, really, for, yes. like, insurance companies to require the weight loss or programs to require a 5% weight loss. And it's like, if people could lose weight on their own, then that's what they would be doing. You know, like, exactly. you're just punishing them. But people do a lot of times. And I think, too, it is. Yes. It's like, you get rid of, like, the sodas. You get rid of maybe, like, the fast food, the high mm. salt, that high-carb diet that does cause a lot of that water weight, too. And so you get rid of a lot of that, like, people are just like, yeah, I'm not, like, swollen like I used to be. Like, my hands and my feet feel yes. a lot. I'm not having the pain, stuff like that, even on that three-week diet. The funniest to me, and it's kind of another tangent, though, is we'll get people moving through so quickly that then they're like, wait, I can't do the three-week diet because there's not even three weeks until <laughs> surgery. And it's like, it's fine. Don't worry. You're, like, it's just a kind to help you prepare to help you get into some habits too exactly it's kind of this like multifaceted thing but it's not the end of the world you know we want you in the clear liquids for two days that's really important because we want to just make sure that we're you know emptying out your stomach and everything like exactly that. but yeah pe- that's usually it's less of like oh i didn't follow the diet or i'm not going to or anything like that people are more worried that like i don't have time to do three oh weeks, i know yeah. our patients are like like overachievers no. i mean like you all know who you are too it's yeah. pretty much all of you i mean it's incredible but yeah the two days so to answer to your point about the liver mm-hmm. so the liver there's you know all these phenomenons going on and it has to do with the storage of fuel and glucose and the metabolism of it and what you ingest and how it goes into fat into the liver and which which Hannah and I just heard this oh, and yeah. we got to tell everybody about it we need to do a whole podcast on this on the but liver. there is in most of you probably have heard of this fatty liver when it's attributed to sugar intake and that sort of thing is known as NASH which stands for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis Non-alcoholic steatohepatitis is the number one reason for liver transplant in the world, and especially in the United States. And so it's we were talking to a gastroenterologist who specializes in this, and, and he was just saying what a what a strange misnomer, how odd that we're calling something what it is not. Right. Not what it is. And so actually the GI Society, which he estimates it'll take five years for the rest of the world to start calling it this. Cutting edge here, people, yeah. right? Hot off the press. We are going from NASH to MASH. Yes. Metabolic 
metabolically a, is it associated? A, associated? Yeah, I think it was associated or. A, what so is the we're, A? We're bad. We didn't even listen. I promise. We <laughs> were both the, sitting there like with uh, wide eyes listening to this guy talk. But yeah, well, it's mash now. Metabolic. Metabolically. So we'll say it's associated, but we'll double check that. <laughs> yeah. So it is fatty liver disease associated to meta- metabolic issues. And right. so the liver, I need to do a reel about this too. The liver will get characteristically orange and it'll be very thick and very difficult to maneuver. It's just like... um. It's just so, it's just thick. I mean, it's just hard to say. Yeah. So, so most of the time by being on, and I don't, I can't prove this either, but I feel like by being on just this great diet for three weeks and then the two days of clear liquids, you're going to drop weight, but also that liver, that becomes less swollen as well. Yeah. And I don't even need to use a liver retractor on the sleeves, on the gastric bypasses. I use this little tiny, like little hammock thing that I don't even have to put an incision on. And so it's pretty rare that I actually have to get out a liver retractor, which is like this metal device that hooks and elevates the liver and it has to be hooked to the bed. It's a big deal. You have to get crank it up. It's like, oh you just hope your liver is... N- if I say I had to use a liver retractor on you, that is that's just not great. Yeah. So, so yeah. but then over the course of once you're back, you're eating again, you're back onto some solids, you're getting some things back into your diet. You're still going to be on that like low carb, starch free diet, but the liver does tend to kind of your the clear liquids really like seem to totally. shrink it up. And so once you're kind of putting stuff back in, that liver is going to go back to a more normal size, maybe maybe a little bit smaller than before. But that weighs a couple pounds. Oh, yeah. Right? Like it's, it can be a swing in the liver. Definitely. And well, and then hopefully if you keep on that diet, the beautiful thing about the liver is that it is an organ that can replenish, regenerate. So if, as long as you don't have end stage uh, liver disease, mm-hmm. cirrhosis, that sort of change, the fatty liver can actually shrink and you can actually have improvement and in it, it and maintain it. So yeah. all that inflammation, the steatohepatitis, which means inflammation of the liver and all of that, all of those things, you can, it, that's why it's so imperative. Like while you're young, if you get that before it progresses and it's like, oh God, it's too late, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you can reverse any damage that has happened yeah. to the liver. And if I see that it's really fatty, that is not a, a death sentence or a no. transplant sentence. It is a, this is a really great thing that you were here and that you did this kind of a thing. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's definitely and, – and generally speaking, we're going to go on a whole liver tangent here, I guess. But weight loss is one of the main treatments of, like, fatty liver that's disease. That's it. That's yeah. all you can do. There's no med. Right. It's a weird thing. Yeah. There's nothing else to do. So so gastric bypass and second sec- sleeve like gastrectomy are the number one and two treatments and pretty much the only – the best treatments that exist yeah. for MASH, my friends. MASH. MASH. We're Ooh. so new, new age. <laughs> we are so progressive. Edge. We're yeah. so progressive. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. So you have the clear liquids. Now, this is another thing I wanted to bring up. So what we're saying here, and I don't want anybody to hear this, is that, oh, my gosh, the clear liquids, it thins out your liver. It's so great. You drop this weight. You feel good. Everyone's like, oh. In fact, people will show up the day of surgery and say, like, my husband even said to me, why are you going to that? Look how much weight you lost. I should just be on clear liquids. Now, so after surgery, you're down the road, you're like, oh, I need to reset. The pouch reset. Oh and so people think that, oh, the pouch reset is just to go back on this clear liquids. But even though your stomach is smaller, it ain't going to work. And yeah. I don't want anyone to go there. So what is your feeling on the pouch reset? The pouch reset is just nonsense. It's just, it's, you're going to go on a liquid diet for like a couple days a week to, I've seen, I know you see different like protocols or whatever, but uh, you, it's, no, it's not going to do anything no. for the long term. You might lose, again, you're probably going to lose some water weight. You're probably going to lose a few pounds. And then once you transition back onto your regular diet, 
you're going to gain the weight back. If you're noticing you're in a stall or you've had some regain, it's less about doing a reset and more about going back to the basics mm. um, of, of the diet and just really doing an audit of what are you taking in. Are you really following what you, you know, kind of think you are or are things slipping in and you're not even realizing it? Do uh, that instead. Yes. Like, don't worry about – no, don't do that. The other thing that people will ask is like, oh, well, can I just do the clear liquid diet for like a week before oh surgery? No, please don't because you're going to be weak. You're going to be tired. Mm. You are not going to feel good. Do it for however long is told to you by your practice. We're two days. Yes. I think that for clears is pretty much the standard. I don't think anybody's doing clear liquids for much longer than that, if, if at all. I hope not. I hope not either. Because, again, you're just not getting – it's very minimal. I mean, it's like you could probably get 200 calories on those days, and that's not – you're just not going to feel good. No. Um, you're going to have headaches. Like, you're just going to be tired. You're – no. Yeah, and then we have to be very careful because when yeah, when patients come in, you're be we have to just so perfectly make you be like as as low as we can go before you get like behind the eight ball almost too right, much. Right, exactly. So it's very it's very important yeah. there on that. Okay, so that's the first month. And then there's and, and something that we're working on, which for some reason I've never really done in my career, but we've talked about this a lot, is we are now keeping track at every time you are seen postoperatively where your weights are. So I know that week one, I did a sleeve and a bypass. They lost 12 and nine pounds. So I'm going to put like they're starting things and I'm just going to keep putting tracking these data points so that we can start to see like an average. It's just going to keep summarizing the average at this exact day post-op. This is what this person who started at this height in this weight is now today. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get an idea of where the proportion is. So then we can make some sort of like calculator of where you should be at that part of your journey in the weight loss surgery post-operative cycle. So that's really important. Now there's going to be outliers. And if you are one of them and you are trying and all of those things, which of course we assume you are, that is not a terrible thing, but we are very much of the belief that we must intervene early to get you on the correct proportional weight loss on the right trajectory when you are stuck because you're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck. So hear that. But when is it time to intervene? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're seeing somebody at some sort, I mean, the first month, like you said, like, ah, there's nothing to really say or do. It's like, we got to just wait till you level out. But let's say month three. I think that's like probably when things you'll be able to see like where you should be. Yeah. Like, what do you tell people from a nutrition standpoint when they are at month three and they're really, they are behind. Like they've only lost, let's say like 15 pounds which should be a month weight loss, but they're now at month three weight loss. Yeah. I usually, again, kind of look at that audit of like, what are you really taking in? Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I usually look for is, are you still depending heavily on protein supplements in your diet or are we getting into more real food and Mm. more, um, you know, meats and uh, plant-based proteins? Are we getting in our veggies? Are we getting in our fiber, our fruit, all those types of things versus, Oh, I'm having a shake for breakfast and I'm having Quest chips and I'm having a Quest bar and, you know, and it's just all these things. And at the end of the day, I I just want to put this out here so no one misquotes me or anything. There's nothing wrong with processed foods. I don't, I'm not a hater on processed foods. However, I think that we can look and see, okay, what degree of processing is being used in these foods? What are we replacing? You know, why are we using them? Is it because you're on the go? Is it because you are not tolerating other things. Like, let's really look at that. So that's usually one for one place I look at and try to say, okay, great. Instead of one of those protein bars, can we swap that with 
you know, something that's a whole food product is, you know, or, or less processed, minimally processed type of food. Um, fluid, I will look at too. Mm. A lot of times people are like, yeah, maybe I'm getting 40 ounces of, of fluid a day. I'm not quite getting up to the 64. Let's get that in. Um, you know, are you eating three meals a day? A lot of times people are only maybe having two meals and they're not quite getting enough. They're not, you know, they're not getting their protein needs. And all of that is important. Again, our bodies are smart. Like they mm. are going to try their best to survive. And that's what we're fighting against. Um, so let's look at that. Let's look at meal timing. Let's look at even other things, sleep, stress, oh, all yes. the other, you know, we can look at the calories in calories out, but let's look at all the other determinants of health, sleep, stress, you know, where, what's going on in your life, all of those types of things. It's so true. That is how it is like a just truly comprehensive evaluation mm-hmm. and, and getting to know people and on, on many levels. And just yeah. like you said, like, what is going on in their lives. Yeah. So let's say now that's one edge where you always, every one of you thinks that you are on that outlier thing. So guess what? You're not. And some of you are on the outlier in the, in the most exceptional way, but it's, you don't see it. And that, and that's, I want to shift a little bit about the scale in the mind games and especially talk about, okay, it's been a year. It's been, let's say that 13, 15 month standpoint, a little bit over a year. And now you are crossing the divide of going from active weight loss, honeymoon, from set point resets to plateaus to big drops and resets to, you know, big drops. And so now there's only, I mean, you're, you're, it's not like a runaway train. You don't shrivel up and die here. You know, like you're going to stop losing weight and you're going to eventually get to a true new set point. And there is a lot of research that shows that that set point is about 15 pounds plus or minus of what you were in high school. So when you graduated high school, that is probably where your weight is going to settle out on average. And some of you struggle with your weight. You know that you were, God, I graduated at 250 and that's a struggle because it's going to be hard because you're 18, you were still a kid then. And so that's sort of where you are. Some of you are still very young. You might be 18, 19, 20 and just having the surgery now. Some of you are older and it's like, okay, what was I in high school? But you'll see it's pretty accurate. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of research and that's sort of like how you can guess how you will respond to this. But let's say, okay, you get down to that an ideal, you know, 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. You're five three, you're 150, you're um, you're happy, you're doing good. Yeah. And now we're gonna go to the GW, the goal the weight. Goal weight. When you see it on the scale, and then and then what? And then what? That is totally people are like, wait, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Because it is, and I think it does, this is where, like you are saying, like there was the mental aspect of it because all of a sudden you're not going to be seeing that number going down. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's what we want, right? Again, we don't want you to shrivel up to nothing. You can't be zero pounds. That doesn't, we don't, that that's not good. So, um, you know, we get to that goal weight. I think having that conversation with yourself, celebrating it, you know, being excited for yourself. Put it, you know, share it with your friends or on Facebook or however you choose, you know, go and uh, go celebrate at the theme parks or, you know, I had one uh, one patient who previously when he got to a certain weight, he bought himself a kayak and like that was his like goal because it was like, I can finally like take the kayak down to the lake by my house. And like he that was his like one of his things. So whatever it is that you celebrate to, to do, I think that's an important milestone. Um, and then really what it's going to be is transitioning super slowly and it's going to scare the hell out of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. We're going to increase your carbs and you're going to go up 
by way more than you think you're you should. Mm. Um, if you have been on this, you know, 50 gram carb diet for 13, 15 months, even if you have gone up a little bit since then, and you've been, you know, in 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 your journey. We're going to go up. The, mm-hmm. the thing that I try to emphasize with people, and I was just talking with a patient uh, yesterday who's, she's like almost there. She's like, okay, so once I get this last eight, 10 pounds off, how do I do this? And I was like, we're going to, we're going to almost like double your carbs. She, I was like, D- don't, don't get scared. <laughs> you just see the oh, face yeah. of like, we're going to do it so slowly. Yeah. It's going to be a few grams at a time, you know, five, 10 grams at a time. Let's do that for a few weeks. Let's see mm-hmm. how your body responds to that. Okay. Then we're going to go up a little bit more, a little bit more over time until you find, because eventually we want your calorie intake to be closer to a normal caloric intake. You're yeah. still a human who needs yeah. to function and survive. And I, you know, a lot of our patients, we've talked about this before, are doing a lot of physical activity and they're exercising and they need the support to build muscle and to, you know, meet their goals in that aspect too and so yeah eventually we're going to want you to have like a more normal calorie intake we, you can't you're not going to live on 800 calories forever that is the truth and even in your customized meal plans it won't even like let us like put like, it in put that 800 yeah like 1200 is the minimum that it will let me put because it's for adults and generally the consensus is that for long term anything below that is insufficient mm. um now again we do know that bariatric patients are going to be on a lower calorie. And that's why I also don't really use calories in, right. you know, when I'm giving people. Um, I know. Uh, I, know. I hate calories. I've yeah. been saying calories a lot this episode, but yeah, just yeah. don't even worry about that. No, but yeah, so it's going to be that. And it's, it might be, maybe we need to look at how are we doing your snacks? What are we, what are we adding in? How are our meals? Are you able to kind of get a little bit bigger portion um, uh, to, to get those extra calories? You might mm-hmm. need to go up on the fat a little bit too to get the calories. And again, it's going to be like percentage of your, of your, your intake is going to be your percent of protein, percent carbs, percent fat. So when the whole number gets bigger, all of those absolute numbers get bigger too. So you're going to have a higher fat intake, which is an easy way to get in more calories as well, because fat is more calorically dense than protein and um, carbs. But yeah, that's really what it's going to be. Yeah. So, okay. So this patient that you're talking about, let's just use that person as an example. Mm -hmm. So they have now, let's say two months from now, they lose that last eight pounds. Mm -hmm. They see that magical number. And okay, let's say it was 150 and they're at 150, they're at 150, they're at 150. And okay, this is good. You're taking pictures. We're celebrating. We bought the kayak. We are, we are, we are rocking, right? We're happy. And then I'm at 155. Yeah. Now, what am I supposed to do? It's all over. Just like I suspected. I mean, I'm a loser. Here I am. I've gained five pounds and now I'm at 160. I'm at 160 and I am unraveling and I am now having body dysmorphia. I can see I'm gaining it back. I can see how I look. And you, I'm telling you what, guys, crossing the divide from the honeymoon of weight loss to the maintenance mode is not glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's, it's, it's actually really mentally, I think it's the hardest thing that we don't talk about enough in this journey is that moment. Yeah. Well, right. Because regain, a little bit of regain is normal. You're going to have regain. You're going to have regain. You're going to have stalls and regain. Again, no one wants to hear that. And it's it, it because it is, it's scary because you're like, I've done all the diets before. I've done all these plans. I've done all of this before. And now I did this big change. 
you know, it's supposed to be this like super successful. And now, like you said, I feel like I'm failing because I gained five pounds. Yeah. But on the flip side, you've lost maybe 95. You know, maybe you had lost 100 and you regained five. I know. So for us and even for this person, let's say this person can rationally look at another person, the same exact scenario and be like, God, you look insane. Look at, oh my, is that still, is that you right. before and now and you're amazing? But whenever it is ourselves, we, why do we have these, like, I don't know if you know, but standards, it's like, I don't understand. And this is universal. I haven't yet to meet anyone who does not think this way. Yeah. So how right. do we break that? And how do we basically give ourselves like grace? I'm like, I'm even talking to myself, which oh, might yeah. sound crazy. Yeah. No, it is. It's, I, you know, it's the thing of like, would you tell your best friend that? No. Then why are you telling yourself that? You know, and and that's hard though. It's it's easy to say, but it's hard to put into practice. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of times I think too at this point it might be maybe if you haven't been working with like a mental health professional, this would be the time, you know. Maybe you're exploring plastic surgery and that's going to be something that's going to mm-hmm. help you, you know. And again, not to say that your worth is settled on your on your looks or anything like that. No one needs the surgeries to like you know, if you are happy and satisfied, that's all that matters. But if you're not and there's something that can be worked on, maybe it's something to consider. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just really tough. And then, again, I, I'm going to say this a couple times this episode, but, like, look at what are you doing? Are you starting to be like, well, I'm at my goal weight. I can start to, you know, Hannah said I can go up on my carbs. And so I'm eating, you know, pretzels every single night after dinner. Mm. Eh, maybe not really what we mean, you know, am I starting to slip with, okay, we're going to more and more birthday parties this month and I'm having larger and larger pieces of cake at the birthday parties, like starting to be real and honest with yourself. You know, I think we want to, we don't want you to feel like you're on like quote unquote a diet Mm. for the rest of your life, but being realistic about what are we really doing and is there something that I can dial in to just check myself because I got so excited. I met my goal weight. I was maintaining really well and things started to slip. Yeah. And I think that, you know, even those examples of pretzels and cake or whatever your kryptonite is, we talk about this a lot. Boy, I have a lot more thoughts on all of this. It's just, I, so my own like weight loss thing. So my set point is 165 pounds. I'm six foot tall. If you guys don't know how tall I am, um, I was like 165 and I feel like that was like the most ideal weight. I mean, for my height and like five pounds per inch, I'm like, perfect. And then I was like, just doing this job and saying over and over again, like, you know, don't eat the pretzels, the popcorn, the chips and the sodas. And so I just decided that I was going to eat a lot at every meal, eat a lot of protein. And I literally practice what I preach. I just don't like nibble, pick graze in between. I don't snack much. We work together all the time. And like, do you want something? Maybe a string cheese if yeah. I'm being crazy, <laughs> you know, but that's about it. Like, and I'll just eat it. Hannah cooks a lot. Of, this is a whole different sign. But anyway, so then I, then I, I, I started to like lose weight and I couldn't even believe it. And then I hit like 149 at one point. I was like, oh my gosh. And yeah. so then you almost think to yourself and I think like, you're like, am I like too thin now? Like, is, do I have cancer? Am I dying? Like, like, wow, this is crazy. So then you do start to eat more. Okay. So here's the thing. So I one point I almost want to tell you just just keep like keep trusting it and keep doing it and don't try to like game it because then the next thing you know it'll be like boom you'll gain very quickly yeah. and so then there's also this whole mental health kind of um aspect of it like you already mentioned that I think that the honeymoon period is such a 
blur. Like you lose weight so fast in the scheme of it. Like, you know, you'll be 40 years old and over the course of a year, you completely change who you are and to the point where like your brain cannot catch up with the number on the scale. And so, or the clothes and the sizes and all the changes, it is overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming. And so I think that we need to just almost like acknowledge that, brace yourself for that, be prepared for that. And those who are worried about that, I actually think will do better because you're just at least aware that like you said, it's going to happen. You're going yeah. to lose a lot of weight. You're going to get stuck. You're going to have re- regain and you're going to have to some point go into a new set point that hopefully you can maintain and still make this whole thing kind of fun and yeah. kind of like, like what's your new thing then? Yeah. I also think that a lot of times people will get down to a weight. Like you said, like they're like, you know what? I'm really not happy at this lowest weight yes. or it is way too hard. Yes. It's way too restrictive for me to maintain and I feel like it's not a healthy way of living. You know, I'm feeling like I'm I'm obsessive with food yes. or I'm having some disordered eating patterns. I'm really and so you're like, you know what? So maybe you know, a lot of times I see it with people who get down to much slower weights, like are much more petite women. They'll be like, I got down to hundred and twenty pounds and they're like, I couldn't maintain like it was just too small. Mm. I was just way too small. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. And then they gain to say, you know, 135 or something like that. And they're like, it's easy for me to maintain this weight. I'm happy. You know, my um, hormonally, I feel good. I'm having like, because, you know, in theory, if you have really low weight or a lot of weight loss, you could lose your period. Like you could have other Mm. hormonal things go on, you know, especially if you're my people that are working out a lot, like that can go on. And that's a sign of disordered eating and anorexia nervosa and all of that stuff separately, but not to say that you would have that necessarily, but those are the types of things that could happen. And it's like, yeah, just get to where you are happy, confident, comfortable. It should be, it's always going to be work Mm -hmm. to maintain. It's not necessarily just going to, and that's true for anybody, weight loss surgery or not. Yes. I mean, again, like you said, you feel really good at at 165 and maybe 149 was just like, you hit it and you're like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know if I can keep that. I don't know what you weigh now, but like, you're just like, I, I, you know, I'm, I feel better when I'm actually a couple pounds heavier than that, like, absolute lowest yeah. that I can get to. And then it'll almost, like, mess you up that you're like, but, oh, great. Now I'm in, like, the 150s. Like, I saw that magical 149. Yeah. I saw that Wonderland 199. I saw whatever this number is yeah. that I had always wished and hoped and thought about. And I yeah. finally achieved it. And then when I did, there wasn't, like, these people that just sprung out surprised in my bathroom as I was standing on the scale right. buck naked, you know, yeah. after my morning poop. Like, no Nobody yeah. was there. And so no. like, this was like this moment I had been dreaming about and thinking that I will just be happy when I see that what number. And then you do. And then the next day is gone already. And then it's like, <sighs> yeah. And I just, I'm just trying to chase this, the sun and I just can't touch it. I just can't yeah. get it again. And it's just this constant thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, that finding it, keeping it, it's hard. Um, but the good thing is it does happen. You know, like you said, the set point does change after bariatric surgery. Yes. We do get those hormonal shifts with the hunger, you know, hunger hormones, um, even like the GLP-1, the insulin. Like yes. We didn't really touch on those, but those get changed and affect our hunger, affect our satiety, all that type of stuff that we don't see when people are losing weight, mm-hmm. you know, without surgery. Um, and so, you know, it's, it, you'll get there and, and you'll get to maintenance 
and it may be a rocky road and it will be you know we're but that's why you have a team whether it's us you know whether it's your surgical practice it's a private per, you know dietitian that you see for coaching or something like that um you know there's a lot of resources out there mm-hmm. and maintenance doesn't have to be scary it doesn't have to like haunt you um and regain is normal Yes, totally. I do want to say one more thing about GLP-1, though. Oh, yeah. So the GLP-1, so the whole thing behind, and you need to listen to our four-part medical weight loss series from the end of 2022, early January of 23, where we really dive into this. But the whole thing about those meds working is that they are agonist, or they are trying to accentuate, accelerate the effects of the GLP-1. After you have weight loss surgery, in addition to your ghrelin going down, your leptin going up, also your GLP-1 levels will go up. And that means that if you were on an ozempic, which is semaglutide at low dose, or Wagovi, semaglutide at higher dose, or a Monjaro, terzepatide, and it works different ways, if you were on those before and had eh, maybe good results, maybe phenomenal results, maybe eh, results, it means that after surgery, if let's say you do get get stuck and you do need an intervention and you go on those meds, your body after surgery already has higher GLP-1 and then you add more GLP-1, you're going to have a better, better, better response to those medications than you did before surgery. So it's like, well, I've tried that and it didn't work. And if you're experiencing that, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of surgery plus those medications if you get really stuck and you need a little bit of that extra push forward. So yeah. The weight, it can help, it, the number on the scale can help you to just see that, okay, we need a little bit more, a little sprinkle of this here for this patient, a little sprinkle of that for that patient, and help to really create that individualized plan that will help you to succeed. And if, you know, you feel good, your clothes are fitting, maybe that's your marker of mm-hmm. success over that that scale. Yeah, absolutely. And that was when you talked about going back to the three months we talked about as an example, that would be maybe somewhere we could look to at the medical intervention yeah. of putting those, those um, you know, hopefully the injectables if we can get them. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole thing. That's a, a way other thing. Listen to the series, <laughs> but we're both rolling our eyes here at the, the insurance companies oh. and everything. But, you know, that's definitely somewhere we could look or, you know, three, six, three, six, nine months kind of when we see people a lot of mm-hmm. times that are like, eh, I don't know, things are, are you know, not going as, as much as I want. And can we kind of help that process? Or if you've like, I've done every single thing, I feel like I'm doing everything right. It's not you. We got to help. You know, you might just need a little bit more help. Yeah, totally. So we, um, we hope you enjoyed this on weight and I hope that it really changes your perspective and thinking about the scale and how that number does not control you. Does not define you. Does not. And that is something we all need to take away that, um, you know, this is a, this is a journey, a lifelong thing and you need to make it fun and get the support that you need. So join our support group too. Mm -hmm. And also, um, read the episode guides, subscribe, like, follow Dr. X Dietitian. All of that stuff. We're on Instagram, on our website, drxdietitian.com. We'll see you guys next time. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.